0: Now also available on Hubble. Welcome back, Dylan friends. This week, my friends, we have a really just beautiful, beautiful man. One of the most beautiful men I reckon I've ever sort of chatted with. Just a nice, nice, great guy Um, and someone that I, you know, absolutely loved. I think anyone that's my age or, you know, above would have absolutely loved this guy when they were growing up watching footy, Matthew Richardson. Um, Big Richo, Richo man. He is a star. Um, Love this chat. Yeah, talking about his journey. Firstly, actually loved his chat about Tasmania. Um, Being a Tassie boy, we're both in love with Tassie. Um, Spoke about our favorite parts about that. Moving over to Melbourne, joining, uh, joining the Tigers and how his career sort of worked. And I loved his confidence and he's such a humble, humble guy but has that killer instinct and that confidence and that alter ego, you know, when he went out and he crossed that white line um, and played his footy. So, yeah, love talking with him about that. Love talking with him about getting on top of his game. Um, he, you know, he admits some things that he could have been better at in his playing career. Um, and then we spoke a lot about the Tigers and the impact that that's had on him. Um, you know, mentors in his career and then obviously getting into the media as well and what he's up to next. about his love of music, getting over the States and much, much more. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Enjoy it, enjoy it. Ilyx. And also, you know what's a massive help? Definitely, please, definitely subscribe and follow the podcast. Whatever you're doing, it really, really does help. Also, if you know someone else who's gonna love this episode, Richmond media person that just loves Rich Show, forward it on. Even chuck on the notifications would be a massive, massive help. Um so yeah, hope you enjoy it. Ilyx. Hi fam, it's Dylan's Mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. I was like, you going to embarrass yourself? And I was like,
1: bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant, didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> I've been in a bad team for 10 years, and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that
0: guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes, I'm like, Dan, stop doing that, just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog, it's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave, and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Richard, how are you going? Good. Mate, good to be here. Up. How
1: good is this? What about your little studio oh, here? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It's
0: beautiful. Not as good as yours. Um, you've, You're
1: an OG podcaster. 12 years, you're just saying you've been doing the Richmond podcast. Yeah, talk. we started a podcast at Richmond talking tigers. I reckon it was in... 2012 was our first year. Didn't know where it was going. Didn't know what we were doing. You know, podcasting. Was 12 years. Just a probably lo- starting. Long yeah. time ago. So, yeah, we just started doing it every Tuesday and we're still doing it now. And Very we good. love it. We yeah. love the
0: tics. Um Mate, it's an honor to have you in today. I was thinking, I was rattling my brain about like, I always like to say the like where I first met the person, where it would be. And I don't think you would remember this, but I actually met you in like, I reckon 2017. Oh, no, it would have been 20. 20- 2018, I reckon. Yeah. When I left the Giants, I went and worked as a producer at 3RW. Yes. As like, I was working on like DD's afternoon show. Right. I never actually worked on a show with you, but yeah. I just remember one day you walked in and you were doing like the footy. Yeah.
1: Well, I've been at AW now for, geez, time flies Still, I started in 2010 and mm. I'm still there now. So, yeah, really enjoying it. Really lucky to still have the jobs in footy. And, yeah, 3RW has been a good place for me to work. I really enjoy it there. Yeah, they've got a good – um. A good crew there. So it's like once you're in, you're, you're in. Yeah, crew. and I think, tight knit. I think so. And I think it's a bit of an older crowd, obviously, that listen to 3RW. So for me, I look at it as probably some longevity there. I've got yeah. three daughters now. I've got to pay some school yeah. fees coming up, Jill. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm enjoying working there and it's a good workplace for me.
0: Um, I'm sure you listen to Tom Elliott as, as everyone does on 3 For Maybe the listeners aren't knowing. They might not know Tom Elliott, but he's no G in, in the radio game. And I used to have to do this segment with him. It was yeah. called... I can't even remember, but it was like something to do with like young versus old. Yeah. And they used to sort of stitch me up each week and I would have to like say something that would just rattle up like the older generation. And I remember one week – and this isn't funny, but like – and I wish I sort of in hindsight knew what I was saying because I learned never say something unless you agree with it. Right. And they made me say this segment saying that when COVID comes back – all the jobs should be given to all the young people instead of the old people. And you can imagine the crowd like... Yeah, I was getting like full on like death threats like through Twitter and like people that went on the podcast were like leaving reviews. I was like, what the fuck? So they absolutely stitched me.
1: Well, you know what? All those old to people now, they'd be able to get a job because everywhere I go in Melbourne now post-COVID, there's staff shortages everywhere. Yeah, there you go. There's jobs going for everyone. So
0: maybe I actually did a good
1: thing for Yeah, maybe. You don't don't have to be young, <laughs> old. Anyone can get a job. If you they want can. to work now, you should be able to get a job. especially in hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere.
0: Hey, um, mate, let's jump into you. And one thing I do love about yourself as well that we're just talking about off air, I'm so sick of ex-footballers and sports people as soon as sort of like they're done, they finish up and they head straight south side. I think you and I, and I'll give you the the king, I might be the prince of this, but north side is for life and it needs a bit more respect where the game is. But I sort of like it. It's a bit more quiet on our side. We do what we want. We're not about the
1: showbiz. It's it's a nice bunch of people. Well, I probably did both deal. Like when I first got to Melbourne, I lived out in Vermont South with some family friends for 18 months. I loved it because I settled into Melbourne. Mm. But once I found my feet... I always wanted to get Northside. That's where I felt at home. And I lived in Carlton for years. Beautiful. I lived in Fitzroy. But then at one point, it was sort of my late 20s. I was living right behind the Bull Ring, which was on Johnson Street, which is yep. an old Spanish nightclub next to the Provincial Hotel. Yep. I think it's a supermarket now, as as most things fall by the wayside. I think Coles or Woolies have got it now. But uh, I lived right behind the Bull Ring in Fitzroy. And I was still playing. And every Saturday night, that bass was just boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. like So I was going to games of footy on no sleep and I thought I need a change. So I went down to Elwood. Oh, you which, did? If you're going to live south side, yeah, it is, it I is, feel like yeah. Elwood's the suburb, don't you reckon?
0: I will let that one pass. Yeah. Like my sister and uh, you know, partner live in Elwood. It is beautiful. Yeah. But gets any further than that, yeah. it's a bit yuppie. Well, There's nothing
1: to do. Yeah, You're bored out of your brain. So yeah. I lived in Elwood and I had about nine years there, but I always felt drawn back to the north. So three years ago, we bought a house in Northcote and moved oh. back and, yeah, I won't be going back now. Yeah, simple. It's like the Berlin Wall, the Yarra River. It is. It's, uh, I don't know, it's something about it.
0: Good people, good community. It's fantastic. And that um, shows your roots too because I, I don't want to fanboy you too much, but I love your sort of living arrangements and by, not by choice, but even like being a Tasmanian. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're a big listener of the show, but I'm seriously the number one ticket holder
1: of Tasmania. For, yeah. for, for someone that's not from Tassie, it's probably my favorite place in Australia. Yeah, oh, I was down there on Monday in Launceston, and every time I go back there, I couldn't wait to move away from yeah. Tassie when I was a kid because I wanted to get to Melbourne. I wanted to get here and play AFL footy in the Big Smoke, and I've loved every minute of it. But whenever I, ever I go home now, I feel more drawn back yeah. to it, and it's just kicking goals, Tassie. So if you good. want to, if you want a week away, you go down there, grab a car, or or do whatever you want to do. But um, you need more than a week, probably. But yeah. It's really – it's a great place to go if you want to do a foodie sort of weekend, yeah. go and experience some great cuisine. You know, if you want to go walking, get out in the wildlife, there's, there's plenty of that as well. Give it's us, got something yeah. for everyone.
0: Give us your sort of tips of like where you'd go in Tassie. If you're sending someone away, your top three or four establishments that you'd send them to, where would you Where would you go?
1: As far as towns or – Anywhere, like, like anything
0: right. you like doing. Because I, I went to a pub over there once, a club. I think it was called uh, – You go first, it'll come back to me.
1: Well, I'm from Devonport, the northwest coast, which probably gets ignored because people go to Tassie, they go to Launceston, they go to Hobart, they go down the east coast and do all that sort of stuff. But look, I'm from the northwest coast, so for me, you've got to experience that as well. So check out Devonport. If you go down on the boat, don't get off the boat in your car and just drive straight to Launceston. Yeah. Actually hang around, have a look at the northwest coast, which is where I'm from. Mm. Um, plenty of things to do there. Then you go down to Launceston, go up to the Tamar Valley and do all the wineries up around there. Mm. Do you like golf? You're a golfer, I'm, aren't you?
0: I'm terrible. I love golf. Yeah. I went to um, Barmburgle recently.
1: you got to do that. Got it. I mean, that yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. I'm not even a good golfer, but you go up there just to have a look around. The right? beach, I've never seen a coastline actually quite like
0: it. Yeah. It looks fake. It looks yeah. genuinely fake. Yeah, so the you do... The Distillery too. Yeah. have got a new distillery yeah. there. It's very cool.
1: So do all that. And then obviously probably drive down the East Coast. And, I mean, there's there's so many great places now and then into Hobart and mm. probably you spend probably three or four days in, in Hobart and you know, all you got to do is walk in Hobart. You just get yeah. get get out your walking shoes and walk around and you'll find something to do pretty quickly. I'm sure um, you would have
0: got in this area early, but Battery Point when I was there yes. is like, I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. Yeah, like the houses and the pubs and it's a everything. great little pub, great up little there. pub. Yeah,
1: Shipwright's Arms is it? Like, well, I yeah. think,
0: it, and they have like little wooden handles. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. Anyway, that's for Tasmania. Um, shout out to them if they're listening. We should we have a team? Oh, I reckon hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and what, this whole thing around like people saying. Um, North versus
1: South, I don't think it's really a thing. As soon as there was a team there, they, they'd all just band around, i yeah. for sure. Look, it is a little bit of a thing if you, you live there and you just – if you live up north on the northwest coast, you probably haven't got a lot of reason to go down to Hobart, yeah. but give it a reason and they and they will. But are right? they saying, though, that they'd rotate the games or would they uh, have to be stuffed in Hobart? I think there would be a few games in Launceston, and, but if they build this new stadium in Hobart, predominantly you would be based there, yeah. but – you know, if you build it, they'll come, and I think that's what will happen yep. with the Tassie AFL team. People in Devonport, up in Burnie, they'll travel down for their own team. They're not going to travel down there to watch North, with all due respect to North Melbourne yeah. and, and whoever else is playing down there. Um, they're not going to drive three hours. If you're not a North Melbourne supporter, they're not going to drive three hours to no. see. They'll drive three hours for their own team, though. Yeah. So it's time.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully something happens there. Um, look at the jumping jacks yeah exactly it. it's, it's it's unreal um mate let's get into your story as much as i'd love to talk about Tassie all day um father-son pick yep to the
1: Tigers. how did it all come about yeah so i was a richmond supporter deal probably like you were obviously mm-hmm. a carlton man following your dad and i was the same following my old man who played at richmond in the 60s so um i never saw him play he retired the year that i was born 1975 but he'd moved down to Tassie by this point um but I knew he played for Richmond growing up. Clearly I I followed Richmond. Mm. The year I really probably discovered them was 1980 when they beat Collingwood in the grand final. And I remember that day, it all sort of clicked, right? This is the best team. We're smashing Collingwood, this team that everyone seems to not like. And my dad played for them. So I thought, this is it. You know, this is the team for me. So yeah, I was a mad Richmond supporter. We made the granny again in 82 Mm -hmm. and Carlton beat us. Should have won. We were mad favourites. Helen Dimenko, the stripper come out on yep. the ground yep. and uh, that was the end of the Tigers, I think. So yeah, we lost that year and then, you know, we're in the wilderness for a lot of years there, the Tigers, but I, I was a passionate supporter, a Nuffy Richmond supporter. And yeah, at the end of 1992, I got the opportunity to come over father-son rule, which was great. You know, I was already over here before the draft even happened because back then you just got added to the list. Right. I didn't even go through the draft process. Now the father-sons do. So you're already just training? I was already team. here, yeah. yeah well. So I knew I was coming. I signed up around 22, 1992. I actually came over here and watched Richmond play the Adelaide Crows. Um, at the G, they got pumped by 10 goals, and I signed up straight after that game, signed a four-year deal and wow. moved over probably three or four weeks
0: later. Unbelievable. What were you like when you first came over Been a young young kid obviously moving into
1: state yeah were you quiet were you up and about like how was Uh, it pretty quiet yeah i was pretty determined to go well yeah like i had a fierce desire i guess you'd say so i trained hard um you know that was something i prided myself on you know i always tried to train harder than than everyone else so yeah trained hard played on the weekend but we had to work full time then, Dill. In between, so yeah. I worked um, for MLC Insurance in the city. Wow. Yeah. So up at lived in Vermont. Up at seven a.m. Driving down the Belwood Highway into the city. Worked eight till four. In the car, off to Punt Road. Trained. Wouldn't get back to Vermont till nine o'clock at night. What so. were you doing? What sort <laughs> of? Just office clericals.
0: Yeah. Was that a job? Was it a making, real making coffee? Yeah. It was a real job. Was it like? Were yeah. you in that sort of field, or was it like sort of someone from the club no, sort of pushed just you into a, it?
1: It was just a job that they found for me um definitely not something i was into yeah. selling insurance <laughs> but i was just more an office boy really doing the mail so i'd be doing mail making coffees monday to friday and then playing on the mcg saturday and that's what it was like it was semi-professional yeah but i just had my head down and went to training and went home yeah Fucking
0: hell. well with like the early because this is something that i think when you leave footy and people might have you know people got a lot more memory of you than they do of me but someone come up to me and sort of be like, oh, did you play with Brendan Favola? Like, what was yeah. it like? I was like, yeah. he fucking retired like seven years before I was even there. <laughs> who were some of the guys
1: that were like the older crew when yeah. you first got in? Yeah, well, the biggest the biggest name was a guy called Dar Waitman, the Flea, yep. who would have played against your dad. Yep. Uh, I idolised the Flea as a kid, so I then rolled up there, and he's still playing. So that his last year was my first year, 1993. So I got to play a few games with him. He was injured most of the year, but that was surreal. You know, you walk into the change rooms, and you know I've had his number on my back, number three, and then Mm. all of a sudden I'm playing with him. So, yeah, he was the biggest name. Then there were were younger guys that were were good players, like Matthew Knights. You know, I'd like idolised him. Brendan Gale, who's the CEO now, Um, he was someone I looked up to because he was from the northwest coast of Tassie as well. Similar position, we're both big guys, so. I looked up to him so yeah had some good sort of role models in the first couple of years was it like sort of coming into a team
0: like that as a big boy i can imagine there's always like some older guys that you're competing against for yeah. like those positions and it does get super competitive yeah. like it does you know it does over? was there anyone that sort of tested you early days how would you respond to it like when i knew when i was a young player and young players now are so better um, like equipped to deal with this, yeah. and they don't—they really don't care. that it's like fuck. This is my position. Yeah. But I was sort of just like laid over. I was like, oh, okay, I'll wait. I'll yeah, wait. Right. You know. I'll,
1: how was it for you? It was probably the bit of the opposite. Yeah. I was really shitty. I didn't play in round one. Wow. Like I, I thought I'd done enough in the practice matches. We weren't a great team. You got to remember that we're coming from the bottom, right? And we we had some players that, you know, I thought I was probably better than straight away that were getting a game in yeah. front of me. And you know, I remember when the team came out for round one and I didn't get selected, I couldn't I was filthy, right? I thought I should have been in the team. So I might have been ahead of myself, (laughs) I don't know, probably was. Um, But I thought I should have been in the team. So they made me wait six weeks and I came in in round seven. But, yeah, that really annoyed me. I remember sitting there after the reserves played because we played before the seniors, right? We played the Crows again. We played them last last round of uh, 92, first round of 93. And I played in the twos and then... A few of our twos guys were up there was a little bar in between the old members stand and the northern stand it was like a tucked away little bar and a few of our guys were up there having a few pots right and i'm thinking what what's going on here this didn't happen in tassie like i played a year at devonport in the seniors we didn't drink pots after the twos before the ones in tassie so that annoyed me as well i thought are we professional enough here so yeah I thought I I want to get out of this environment you know and get into the ones I don't want to be sitting here drinking pots before the seniors so what
0: did you do like when you did you just go back and drop put your head down bum up or did you have
1: like comments did you hit people up just obviously there were conversations with the coach and he just said look he's got to earn your stripes a little bit which I thought I then did over the next sort of five or six rounds played pretty well in the twos and got my chance in round seven so yeah probably a little bit the opposite I didn't want to just give up a spot i wanted to play straight away
0: yeah well that's that's it, proven that's the way it's got to yeah. be like yeah. i think you look at guys and I, I remember coming in now a guy that really stands out to me was the guy sam taylor who plays the giants yeah. star star yeah and he came in and i think i still probably had that old what was re- driven into me as like a young bloke like you earn your stripes mate go yeah. on you can't do this and you know i, I admit like i was like shut up and he was just like, No, fuck this, I'm yeah. playing. And he yeah. did. Like yeah. that's the way all these and That's what they do now. You gotta
1: you gotta look at Sam Walsh, you know. Exactly. Like, it's like he played two hundred games in his first few games. I couldn't believe it. And that's how these guys come in now. So I think I had a similar attitude to that, probably. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah. Got I it. think you do.
0: Um Early season, like what was some memories of first getting in? Like, is there any big learnings in your first few games? Yeah,
1: well, I played in my first game and I was, I was just down at Moravan um, this morning. They've got um, the Danny Frawley Centre yeah. down there. Danny was a coach of mine and he's got uh, he's got his tribute game coming up in a few weeks, Spuds game. So I was down there today doing a few things and it just reminded me that I, I played on Danny in my first game. We played St Kilda um, at the G, round seven ninety three. And I played on Danny for a period of uh, that game and another guy called Jamie Shanahan. And I looked at these guys and I was probably 196. I would have been about 88, 89 kilos. So I was really light on. And I looked at Danny and it was the first thing I remember when I looked at him, like he was just thick. You know, you yeah. look at someone's side yeah. on and he just had that big chest and the big ass. And I thought, cross, I've got a bit of work to do here if I'm going to be able to compete physically with these guys. Um, so... I guess I used my strengths around my running ability in my first couple of years. But that was the thing that I sort of learned pretty quick. I've got to put some size on here. Mm -hmm. If I want to be a key position player, I've got to get in the weight room, which I'd never done before. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was embarrassing, to be honest. What was embarrassing about just not knowing what you were doing? Like, I just couldn't lift the weight. What what do we warm up on, 60 kilos? You know, the 20-kilo plates in the bar was 60. And that was generally just your warm-up weight. I couldn't lift that once. Wow. And I remember distinctly sitting there with our reserves coach, Peter Schwab, the former Hawthorne champ, and he said, oh, we'll do a bit of bench press. And he's done the warm-up with the 60, and I've got it off and got it down. I couldn't get it up, and Swabby had to lift it up. So I thought, man, I've got some work to do here. So, yeah, that was probably my first lesson out of my first few games. Did anyone – like, was this all sort of self-intuitive or did someone take you under their wing? Was there someone pushing you to do uh, these things? No, I got told pretty early days just – pick out the best trainers and you'll know who they are pretty mm. quickly. So when I first got to the Richmond, I, I realised Craig Lambert was probably – you would know Lambie? Yeah, yeah, yeah from yeah. Giants. Lambie yeah. was a hard trainer. Uh, so I followed him. Wayne Campbell was another one. Maddie Knights was another one. So just get him around those guys and follow what they do. So you work out pretty quickly the guys that are, are disciplined and, and train hard and that that's what I tried to do. I know you said like – earlier with this and it doesn't
0: surprise me that you you know you felt like you deserved that level and, and you wanted to come in and dominate and be the best you could be but was there a time early in your career or it might have been first year second year third year in where you, you sort of had a game or a moment where you're like fuck I can yeah I can really dominate
1: this um yeah there was yeah I <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pump yourself, mate. Up, you've do got you? it. Right.
0: You've got to. It's it, this. You, you're allowed to. But It monitor. was pretty
1: early. Yeah, it was my fourth game. Yeah. <laughs> what a wanker! I love it. I love it. It's my fourth game, and we played the Swans <laughs> at the G. And I don't know. It just all clicked that day. Yeah. And I kicked six, and I thought, "Shit, I can, I can play at this level." So, yeah, yeah I don't know. That day, it's just. One of them days, everything went right. You know, every time I went for a mark, it just seemed to stick in my hands. And, you know, I kicked a couple of goals I probably wouldn't have normally kicked. And I got off the ground. You know, and I was probably in a zone a bit. Everything just went right. And, yeah, got off the ground that day. And that I probably went home that night and thought, oh, I think I can compete at the level. That's what it takes. Yeah. i like, well, I... Can't say I've ever had one of those games before,
0: <laughs> not especially not in my in my fourth. But I think at Nefil sometimes, you know, I was just like playing on sixteen year old, was going, yeah. I can beat yeah. these young guys. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what
1: it feels like. You're in the zone. You're in the zone. It's flow state. I say it now. I reckon you only get in the zone if you're a, you know a good player. You get you might get in the zone two or three times for the year, mm. and then you're still a good player the rest of the year. But yeah, just have a game and. Um, you know, I saw Charlie Kernow the other night when he at He was in the zone. He gets in the zone, you know? a bit. He's a player that can yeah. get in it, and he might get in it four or five times a year. But yeah, I found that day. That was the first time I felt like you know whatever I did was going to go right.
0: How did you like with it being a big forward kicking goals? Obviously kicked you know eight hundred goals, eight thousand goals, eight hundred. <laughs> so I don't know why I said eight thousand. Um, you get in these positions where. Like, it's especially playing in a team where you're not scoring a lot of the time, it can yeah. get lonely. Like, yeah. you know, you can really get yourself out of the game. Like, yeah. you can struggle to play forward. It. It's It's easily, hands down, the hardest position yeah. on the ground to play. It's the how hardest,
1: did, but it's then the best, you know? It,
0: yes. It is the best if things are going yeah. your if way. If you're going your way. If you're, going, yeah. if you're in that state. Um, how did you keep yourself in that, like, was there, was it just work rate? Was it things you did? Yeah, work rate. Mm.
1: It's no secret, you know? I mean, if if any young footballer came to me now and said, what have I got to do? Well, you just got to work hard, you know? And you can think you're working hard, but then you're really working hard. And some guys think they're working hard, but they don't really know how to push through and, and get to that next level. So you've just got to develop a work rate, a training, you know, a training capability, to be able to, you know, train hard to get your fitness levels up to where they need to be, and it's not easy. You know, it's hard work. You got, you do have to sacrifice. Um, but I based my game away around work rate as a key forward. Get to as many contests as I could. You know, if I got to twenty contests, I might take seven or eight marks. So if I got to thirty, I might might take ten or twelve marks. You know, so that was the way I looked at it. Um, it was pretty simple. If I and and don't complicate your game, if you can base it around one or two things, I think that's probably the way to go I think if you start putting too much into your mind you start complicating how you're thinking and then you just end up doing nothing probably yeah Um, so that's how I looked at it what about um, back early in your career like I'm assuming there wasn't
0: GPS's and you weren't tracking how far you were running yeah later on later on did it come
1: in yeah it did but i I really i couldn't even tell you yeah it wasn't because it wasn't a real focus you know you didn't come off the ground and look at your gps numbers they did we did have gps the last few years but it was just never i knew if i'd worked hard i didn't need to look at a computer reading to tell me that i had you just knew whether you had or not Mm. so yeah you probably and you probably ran more back in those days i think because there was less interchange you're out there all day Like I never came off the ground really unless I was injured. Um, You're out there all day, less interchange. And the game wasn't as well structured as what it is now. So you probably did a lot of unrewarded running, probably running to the wrong spots. Whereas now I think the guys are that well drilled. They don't do as much of that sort of running perhaps. So, yeah, we we probably ran a little bit more. We probably ran longer, but we didn't run faster. Mm. So we might have done more kilometers, but not the velocity that – Just that aerobic all day. Yeah, yeah. just the guys now, they're sprinting the whole time they're out there really, aren't they? Mm. Whereas we were just sort of more long distance running, I suppose.
0: Um, KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time. now also available on hubble something i'd i'd love to know now and you you know you're in the game you keep up with with all the news you know you've you're obviously a massive richmond supporter you understand what they do and in the modern game mindset mindfulness all this stuff yeah. is just it's second nature now it's like you nearly have to do this before you even play footy yeah was that ever something that crossed your mind when you were playing footy or even like doing it without even knowing you were doing it like you look back now and go fuck maybe i was doing this
1: while i was playing yeah probably definitely not early days because it was you know you just did what you were told and that would have been nonsense probably there would have been guys that were doing it and they would have been you know people that thought a little bit differently but there was never any meditation or mindfulness stuff definitely not in my first probably 10 or so years of playing definitely towards the end um I actually did my own leadership course when I was 29. I got to a point where I reckon I'd stagnated as a player. Mm. I wasn't sort of doing what I wanted to do, or probably wasn't getting the respect I thought I should have been getting, but it was my own fault really. Um, I went and did a course where I sat down with a guy once a week for you know, six months and we'd just sit there and talk. And a lot of that was based around mindfulness and just being calmer and all that sort of stuff. And I played better footy probably my last five years i was way more consistent and played good footy so it definitely helped what did you learn in
0: it like what were the key factors what did you just probably
1: being in the moment more being calm and not worrying about what everyone else thought of me i probably used to worry about what was written in the newspaper really you know i'd get online and i'd be looking at forums and reading nonsense from johnny smith down the road let it get inside my head you know i'd wanted to probably please too many people Um, So when I learned to block that out and just focus on what really actually mattered and just be a bit calmer about my thought process and all of that sort of thing, I was probably playing angry all the time, you know, and that wasn't playing that well because of it. So yeah, once I got that under control and my mind under control, I just played so much better and I really wish I had done it a lot earlier, you know.
0: It's crazy, like perception versus reality, isn't it? Because like you look at, you know me growing up
1: watching you play I wouldn't have thought that you would have cared what anyone would ever think yeah nah too much yeah too much like I was looking at big footy and stuff like that this was before right. Twitter yeah right so yeah. that was probably where you found those sort of comments I went looking for them almost it was like ridiculous did, yeah. did you find that it, like mo- did you do it for motivation I, or were yeah, you yeah do- at times probably but I did it also to probably Get a bit of gratification right to get a little bit of reinforcement a yeah. bit of positive reinforcement so i've had a good game i'd be looking at it yeah i'd be reading all the good comments but then if i had a bad game i'd be reading them as well so it was probably a bit of ego involved as well yeah no i can um i can definitely relate with that we
0: i speak about this a lot like with the pod and like even yeah. things i'm doing now which is actually almost for me it's harder than when i was playing footy because yeah. The footy was like a perception of who I was. versus yeah. so like pod is, it, it actually is sort of like me. Yeah. So if people don't like me, you actually do
1: take it yeah. quite personally. Yeah. But I've found that like well, people want to be like Let's be honest. We do. You're lying. If and I, I always love it when a footballer or someone says, oh, "I don't read the paper. I don't. I don't care." <sighs> that that screams to me you read it even more than you do. Yeah. yeah. People care. You might be some unique individual that doesn't, but I think most people do care a little bit about mm. what's said about them. Yeah. Did you what well, did you have any strategies around it? Like what was what was like
0: the messaging around not caring? Not not caring but not probably looking for it or Well, not. just
1: understanding that it didn't really probably matter what John mm. Johnny down the road thought, you know? I've who who did who does it matter? Who actually matters? And I had to work out yeah. who those people were. And it was a pretty small group really. It was my coaches, my teammates and a few people, a few loved ones that, you know, obviously I cared what they were thinking. Yeah, I love it. I've got one for you. Who's your favourite um I know you're a metal head. Yeah. Who's your favourite artist? Oh, geez. That's a tough one. Well, probably bands I've enjoyed the most in recent times are like bands like At the Drive In, Queens of the Stone Age. Okay.
0: So say I don't like them. Yeah. Does it make you like them any less? No. Exactly. No. So that was like we we speak about this a lot, but it's 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 a way that I fathomed it a lot as well. It's yeah. like just because Someone doesn't like me. It doesn't mean that other people are going to hate me as well. It yeah. doesn't change the picture yeah. of who you like or no, what happens. No, exactly. Um, but, yeah, you can tell I've definitely gone into that. I don't read any reviews anymore. Yeah. Like, and I find that I actually try and avoid the good ones more because that softens me a bit. Yeah. You think you're killing it. <laughs> you think you're absolutely dominating.
1: Tell me, can you watch your own podcast back? How do you know I don't. With... Yeah. So
0: I think that it's a strength and a weakness in a way. Yeah. And to be honest, one of the biggest things I regret most about my footy I don't really get anything, but the one thing I probably wish I did a bit better was I would avoid ever going and doing my vision with a coach. Never. I'd never watch myself play. Yeah, right. Because I just hate that. I don't know. I just hate it. Even if I played well, I didn't want to do it, which wasn't that often, but I hated seeing myself play. I hated that feedback. I hated
1: the review. So it's just something that I'm not, I was never really too keen on. Yeah. Yeah, I, no I was probably I didn't mind watching the tapes because I wanted to see how I could get better but now working in the media I can't no I can't, I can't be watching myself or I can't hear my own voice like I hear my own voice come up if I, I turn on Foxtel and, you know it's a game that I've commentated on mm. oh I can't listen to it. yeah like how am I working how am I getting a job that's what I'm thinking yeah. Bit of insecurity, mate. It
0: is, it, but I, th- I think that's natural. Everyone needs it. Um, the media's a hard one. Like we have obviously great producers, and, and you do too. But if I listen back to my own shows, I'd literally cut the whole thing in. <laughs> like I'd I'd take out all my questions and just have you
1: talking. Well, we we do this thing at St Kilda before with um, Danny Frawley's daughter Chelsea and. I said to her don't worry the producer he'll polish it up later on Will yeah, look all right definitely we'll look all oh right.
0: mate the power of the edit that's why i, I you know you do live yeah. stuff <laughs> i never i never ever do live never you can't hide there you can't hide there no. speaking about leadership before uh
1: never captain was that an aspiration for you yeah it was um i would have loved to have captained richmond you know but looking back now the timing was probably never right and as i said before i wasn't i couldn't have been captain you know because of my own issues i had around probably some body language stuff and just things that i didn't control well on the ground i mean you can't have your leaders doing that and i understood i understood that at the time but i couldn't control it until i did that course that i told you about so once i did that i thought i could be captain but there was just the timing wasn't right and um yeah, so I missed out, but yeah, probably is a little bit of a regret. As I said, I wish I controlled that stuff earlier. I might have then been captain of Richmond. Who knows? With the
0: with the body language stuff, if you don't mind going into into that, like what was a what was a feeling around that? Was it like how did it sort of come about? Was it something that was always in your game, or did it? Yeah, just... it was always a bit of white line fever that I had. Yeah, uh, you seem chatting to you today, the like the person you're on the media, and the person I know. You're very different person
1: to like what is on the
0: field and off the field.
1: Yeah. I just had that white line fever. I wanted to play well. Like I I hated not playing well. I couldn't handle not playing well. Wanted to be probably to a detriment, always wanted to try and be the best player on the ground. And that just doesn't work in a team game. And these days it's even more so. Um, So probably sometimes it was probably trying too hard to play well. And then Mm -hmm. it was disappointment at, at myself as much as my teammates. There was a lot of dissent towards teammates, there's no doubt about that, and umpires. I wouldn't <laughs> be able to play now, let's be honest. <laughs> be, you wouldn't have any money. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so look, it was just a combination of all of those things. And as I said, I did get it under control later in my career, but, um, yeah, it was always that way as a kid, you know, I always spat the dummy a bit and I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. I've never worked that out.
0: Was there? A t- we've worked backwards here, but was there a turning point that you – Went fuck! I can't do this anymore. That like, was yeah. a conversation had because did you get was Danny for? Yeah, did he Danny, drop you?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't around Danny, and I w- always thank him for that. He dropped me straight after. I reckon I'm. I reckon this is the quickest of player's ever been dropped. Wow! So we played Carlton at the G. On a Friday night, and I had an absolute stinker. Oh, I've already beat you. I've been yeah. dropped at three quarter time before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, already, I've already beat it, yeah. oh, sorry, you. Oh, you
0: sorry. That was Mick. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah, yeah, that's yeah good. it was when the sub was on, and just like, you're not playing next week. You like, he really hey, told you? That? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've beaten me. That's yeah, no, good. I was like
1: three quarter time, like, done. Yeah. Like, you dropped. Yeah. So, anyway, after this <laughs> game, I had a mare. I'd Showed some dissent towards a young player, a guy we all love, Dave Roden. It was yep. in his second game. Yeah. And I, ha- I did a little handball over the top and Dave fumbled it and it went through for a point. Should have been a goal. And I lost it and, you know, there was a few other things in that game that weren't right. And I was driving home to Fitzroy in my car after the game and the phone rang and it was Danny and he just went off his brain. Like I couldn't even understand what he was saying. But then the last little bit he said, and you won't be playing next week, you dropped. And that was probably when the penny dropped and when I started to, you know, search for some answers with it. Far out. What was the effect like with – was there a strong enough leadership
0: group maybe at the time that pulled you up on these yeah, things as oh, well? I mean, it happened all the time. Yeah, but yeah. just it doesn't
1: click until it clicks with you. Yeah. It, 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 I got told all the time and I knew it, you know. And, look, it wasn't every game, you know. You look, yeah. at, You look at highlights on telly and it's – people would – the perception would be it was every game you know it wasn't every game clearly but it happened quite often yeah leadership groups got me in and you know i tried and did a lot of you know i went and spoke to other people about it at, at times but yeah just i never really was able to master it and, and get me get a finger on it until my late 20s it's a funny one
0: as well because it's like what weakens us actually is our strength as yeah. well like if you're not in that mindset yeah. you not- Well, you're not playing well. Well,
1: probably now though that I would have been doing some meditation before the game. You know, you see players now doing all that stuff before a game, and that's probably what I needed. You know, I was probably hyping myself up, listening to you know music on my Walkman. It wouldn't have been the (laughs) (laughs) phone. I would have had some you know heavy music on, getting myself even more aroused into the game, and my emotions up. Whereas I probably needed to go the other way, perhaps, Mm, and come down. I always thought that like if I was. To, you know, speak to young
0: players again, I was a bit the same in terms of like, used to think that I had to be like a bit of bumping rah-rah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just knew like, as soon as I just like stopped that, like I enjoyed the game. I wasn't freaking out the whole time. Didn't have like this massive peak of energy and yeah. anxiety. Yeah. You just go out there and enjoy it. Yeah. it. It actually is a lot easier.
1: Exactly. And that's been proven, hasn't yeah. it, recently with what a lot yeah. of the teams have done. 100%. Um, Tiges, obviously the, the success didn't come
0: early enough yeah. at, at, throughout your career. Was there ever a time when you thought you would leave? Not really. Because at the time as well, like Richo Tigers, you know, still one of the biggest cult figures at that time. Like it was just
1: huge. Yeah, look, I guess I I loved Richmond that much. I never really thought about it, you know. Um, There were a couple of instances where I think the club even thought about it. I, I remember once under Danny... Um, there was a bit of talk around going to Hawthorne, perhaps the club we were even thinking about maybe moving me on. Um, that was at the end of 2003. Um, I also spoke to Dennis Pagan once when he was coach of Carlton. Wow. Went out to his house. But I, I, in my own mind, I, I went out there to talk to Dennis because I respected what he'd done in the game. But driving away from there, I'm like, I couldn't leave Richmond. Once in the late 90s, Frio had a bit of a crack. But I never got to the point of even really talking about money or contracts with other clubs. And I guess the driving force behind it was always, if I left Richmond and they had a good year the next year and played in finals or had a good run and made a grand final, I just, I wouldn't have been able to live with my decision. So that was why I didn't do it. Yeah. How did it? feel when the Tigers
0: started going well?
1: Well, a lot of a lot of people have said to me, oh, you know, you're jealous of the success that they've had. It couldn't be – it's a polar opposite. Yeah. I couldn't be happier. You know, I'm a Richmond supporter and as soon as I finished playing, I went back to that supporter, you know, don't have to hide it when I'm doing Richmond <laughs> games in yeah. the media. Some would say I don't. Um, I couldn't have been happier for the club and everyone involved in it because, you know, I had good friends that were still involved, like Brendan Gale was the CEO um you know guys that i'd played with and they'd started their career like jack rewalt and shane edwards and trent cochin i didn't have a lot to do with their careers but i played with them for a couple of years so to see them get success was great but just the club and the supporters more than anything i was just happy for the richmond army you Mm. know and there's so many of them they've been so loyal for so long and to finally get there you know I, i think a lot of richmond supporters including myself I'd blocked it out i didn't think we we're ever going to get there again i didn't even think about it i just thought it's never going to happen so when it happened it was just incredible just the best day i've ever had at the footy in, in any sort of capacity and um to be able to be out there and be involved on the day and just see the emotion in all the, the richmond supporters that was what made it so good
0: i think like when you leave footy you realize it's like got nothing to do with the players it's all yeah. about the fans yeah. and you can understand why they get so emotional yeah um it's literally their lives oh it is it it really is
1: i mean you look at what happened here through covid i mean what what would it have been like without the footy on you know sitting at home every night the footy was something to look forward to Mm. and that's what we love about the game you know it it keeps people together it keeps them connected the passion it brings out the emotion you Mm. know that's what it's all about and without the fans there is no game anyway you know so that's what it is um a quick one on when you
0: you're finishing up your career, you obviously came through with a lot of good players, so Koch, Edwards, Raywell. I was just saying one, Alex Rance as well. Yeah, who stands out from those guys, and that, you know that you just walked in the door and you're "Fuck, these guys are ready to go." Or as yeah. even maybe some of them surprised you. Look, and then the last one. So yeah. was when <laughs> <laughs> we had Rancey on the show a while ago, and he told. I think he told one of his most embarrassing moments, and it was when he was telling you to run through the cones at yeah. training. I'd love to hear that from your. Word of mouth
1: now. Yeah, well, that did happen. <laughs> I was pretty shocked at the time. But I probably, probably when I walked away, I thought, no, good on him, you know. Like, yeah. he's competitive. <laughs> what, can you set the scene of, like, what happened? Like, what sort of, like, Monday well, recovery was it a midweek session. Can I just say firstly my first impressions of Alex Rance, <laughs> yeah, please. Just so, before we get on. To yeah, him. yeah. So, he'd been drafted as a high draft pick. I think he was a priority pick. So, we got him over from Perth. And remember back then, the older players like myself. So I was, I was a 14, 15-year player by this stage, right? So my body, I'm just hanging on anyway, right? <laughs> so I've got a few extra weeks off. In fact, Terry Wallace gave me the whole pre-Christmas off in the last couple of years just so he could get through. So that's where I was at, right? So he's come across... And his first day at training, they had all the draft picks out and they were doing run throughs from the goal square to goal square. So what's that, 150 yeah. metres? Yep. And it was just meant to be some gentle run throughs, you know, probably 70, 75%. Rancy had to win every one, didn't he? By 30 or 40 meters. And I remember I, I went down there just to have a look. I wasn't training. I was standing in the race, and that was my first um impressions of Rancy. I'm thinking, this guy, if he's I don't know if he can play. Yeah. <laughs> But he's going to have a crack, right? And that's how he played his footy. He had a massive crack and then he ended up being one of the all-timers at the club. So then I come in and I finally rejoin training and they probably should have told the younger guys that I was just out there just to get through. (laughs) I didn't have to push through. To the cones. I've done the day hard one work. pre-season. I've, I've done yeah. my hard work. Yeah. I'm just purely out there just to get a bit of run in my legs and just get through, not get injured. is <laughs> probably what I was trying to do. Yeah. So we we're doing some. We we're probably doing some strides around the oval on the, the bend, right? Some two hundreds, and I was sort of running inside a few of the cones, probably to make them about one eighty, just so I could yeah. get through. And Rancy screamed out at me to run around the cones. <laughs> And I was a bit taken aback. I'm like, did he? Is really telling me to run around the cards? But in in fairness to Alex, they probably should have told him yeah. and just given him the heads up that I was just doing a modified program. Yeah. <laughs> did the boys let him? I reckon forget some it? other guys were a bit shocked yeah. too. No one knew what to say. Yeah, no, I can imagine just did, that. Just would, but that sums him up. right? It does, and that yeah. shows like it, why he had such he an incredible career. Yeah. Love it. Look, what about, if you could have instilled that into every other player, you know, maybe we would have been a better team back then. Literally. Um, the other
0: players, anything stand out or even not like surprised in a bad way, but surprised to how like one guy who is honestly one of the, my favourite players, yeah. like hands down Shane Edwards. Yeah. But when he was so young, to see what he's done now, I'm yeah. like he just keeps getting better and better as you yeah. get like he going. Yeah, he does.
1: Yeah. Well, Shane, he hasn't sub- – well, he probably has surprised me a little bit yeah. How what he's been able to do. You know, he's going to be a 300-gamer at the Richmond Footy Club, you know, joining only about five or six Three guys flags. to have done that. Three, Three foot, flags. Yeah. But when Shane got here, he, he was 17, but he looked 15, right? Yeah. You know, some guys just look really – and his body, he seriously looked like a year 9 or 10 guy. He had no mass on at all, and he's still very slight mm. now. But he always was elusive and you knew he had the skills. But, mate, some of his first few games, I thought he was going to get killed. Like, I remember a game at Footy Park. I reckon Mark Rusciuto tackled him and I thought he's not going to get up, Yeah, right? That's that's where he was at. So to see what he's done now. Um, he hasn't surprised me, but um, just been a phenomenal player. Kotchan, you knew, was going to be a gun. He trained at Richmond, um, you know, before he was even drafted. He was part of that academy and yeah. we were down at um, – middle park doing like some, some summer sort of training. We were doing beach flags, you know, you gotta get up and agility and run and pick up the the flag. And he won that. And I thought he, the way he got up off the ground and was able to move, I thought this guy has got serious balance mm-hmm. and that's how he plays now. Um, you knew he was gonna be a gun and Rewalt was always Rewalt confident, um, sure of his ability, but then, you know, able to produce it on a Saturday and he was a high pick. So none of those guys disappointed, have they? Really? No, none of them, none at all. What about um? We we see a lot about Brendan Gale now, like what he's been able to
0: do. What's he like as you know a friend, someone that's close to you? What yeah. In a sanctum of Brendan Gale. like just, it's, it's an incredible, incredible story. Just a level head deal, I would say.
1: It straight away. panic. Yeah, it doesn't panic and thinks things through. Doesn't doesn't make decisions um quickly or or harshly. Goes away and actually thinks about what he's going to do mm. and that that's clear for all to see you know with that review Richmond did at the end of 2016 he's under serious pressure as a ceo right you know the media's coming if you weren't as strong a character as brendan you may have you know you may have jumped there you know dimmer had had seven or eight years it wasn't like he hadn't had a good chance to to make it work so yeah really yeah. level-headed but i had a personal experience with him once where oh i do the pot at the club as i said and i'm in there every tuesday and I had some advice I wanted to ask of of, some, of Brendan. I knew he was someone to, as a sounding board to to speak to, and I went and sort of spoke to him in, in his office. and He didn't sort of say much, and I walked out of his office. I thought, "Shit, maybe he didn't. Maybe he's too busy. He didn't sort of give me anything." Mm. And I thought, oh, I felt a bit funny. Maybe I shouldn't have sort of spoken to him about it. And anyway, about twenty four hours later, the phone rang and it was Benny. So. And he gave me some advice and looking back now, it's been great advice, so I won't go into it, but that summed him up. So he went away, he thought about it and called me 24 hours later and gave me the advice and, yeah, that that sums him up. Just a level head, thinks about things and, yeah, thinks really clearly I reckon I'd, I'd say. Uh,
0: it was funny, like Rance says something that, you know, one of his best learnings from um – footy and you know maybe it, it comes from him as well is like the emotion versus logic yeah and being able to like separate that and almost having a 24-hour rule yeah. around like things well that, that sort
1: of sums it up sums it
0: up it? like for me that's been biggest thing i always try and focus yeah. on my personal life is like not reacting to yeah. shit on emotion or, or even yeah. just giving advice if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah like
1: just say i don't know yeah exactly you got to go away and i reckon benny went away and really thought about it and weighed it up and just gave me the, the best advice so yeah. Yeah, pretty good. good advice.
0: How did you uh, go with towards the end of your career? Like, how were you feeling about ending up playing
1: footy? Were you excited about it? Were you, you know... It what- came quickly. Um, so I had a pretty good year. My second last year in 2008 and had a good pre-season leading into 2009. And I was 35 years of age. I, I felt good. And then, you know, I wasn't even thinking of finishing up at the start of that season. Um but Miami got a little bit sore after the round one game, two thousand and nine. Got a bit of tendonitis in Miami, and by round six, I was cooked. Pulled it off the bone and that never was played again.
0: To, when you kicked your eight hundred,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was the end of it. So it sort of came pretty quickly. But I remember having the surgery on Miami and got to the end of that season. Um, Dimmer came on board as coach to replace Terry Wallace at the end of that year. Uh, I started the pre-season under Dimmer, Mahami started getting sore again, went and saw the surgeon and he said, mate, you're going to need more surgery, you won't play till midway through the next year. And I'm like, that's going to be 12 months in between games, 35. I went and saw Dimmer and he said, "No, nah, well, we're happy for you to hang around. But I thought, nah, that's it. And made the decision and felt like the weight of the world had come off my shoulders, to be honest. So I've never regretted it since. I was cooked on you, I was cooked. Um, but then I had to find some jobs, and I didn't really have a plan. Just fell into fell into my lap a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah. What was yeah. the What was the transition like? Did you do uh, like? How did yeah. It all come so
1: well, when I did get injured, I, I rang my manager and said, "Mate, I reckon we have got to work out a plan here. I don't think I'm going to play again." And he said, "I'll oh, wait and see. Do the rehab." So we did it. But while while I was doing that, I did a few guest spots on Three rw um, Did a bit of the Footy Show when it was still going on Channel Nine. Mm. Did a show with um Robert Walls and Steve Quartermain on it was channel one back then it was like channel Ten's digital channel or whatever it was like a on the couch type of show did that a little bit while I was out injured and yeah so cut my teeth a little bit there and yeah at the end of the year I got some calls and was able to get the jobs once I retired but yeah, you get thrown in the deep end. I had no idea what I was doing.
0: What do you What do you love about
1: the media now? Like, what What do you? I just love being involved in the game. Yeah. I still love watching the game. I love the players. I love watching the games. I don't like some of the nonsense in, during the week, the newsy stuff during mm-hmm. the week, like what's going on with Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, I don't really want to get involved in that. I just like doing the games and talking about the players. That's what I love about it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I think
0: I had a chat with like a media personality you know, years ago when I was sort of like trying to get started and I never wanted to get into like news breaking yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. And he said, you know, you're not going to go far unless you have an opinion. Yeah. And I was like, I just don't think that's no. true. Like so yeah. many people, other people have opinions. Like, no. I just don't really think anyone gives a fuck about exactly. what I have to say. Like, and there's plenty
1: of others that are going to give them, yeah. right? Yeah, we're not short of them. As long as you're being yourself as well. And I think there's no doubt that that's what you've got to be. If yeah. you're not being yourself, the people that are listening or watching – they know it, yeah. And you're not going to last, and I think so. Do
0: you have any other goals in the media, like anything else you want to achieve, or where yeah. you want to get to? Like, would you ever want to do like actual commentary, or like, yeah, like, I've thought know, about call that. By call,
1: I've thought about that doing what you know BT or, or James Brayshaw does. Yeah, probably, probably not my goal. Yeah. I enjoy you know, sort of analysing the game a little bit more. I Enjoy hosting things now, yeah. a little bit. So maybe do a bit more hosting as we move along. I'll tell yeah. you one funny story from this, I just remembered from um, that show with Wolsey and, and <laughs> Stephen So mate. So it was a, I had this stat and a few numbers on Geelong and I'd come up with it myself and I chatted to a stats guy at Richmond who was still there. And I said, mate, does this sort of wash this this stat and is it a good one? And he said, yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I said, I'm going to go with it on one week at a time. You know, I thought like I had something yeah. good to bring to the table. <laughs> So we're sitting in the green room. This is my first valuable lesson in the media. We're sitting in the green room before the show and Robert Walsh was in there. And Wolsey had been my coach, you know, and I knew him well. And we're talking about the show. And I said, "Walshy, in the first segment, you know, when Quarters introduces me, I'm going to go bang with this thing on Geelong, right? And Wolsey goes, yeah, great, great. Like it, like it. So quarters comes on. Welcome to one week at a time. This week, and we're joined by former Carlton Premiership coach, the great Robert Walsh. And what's Wolsey done? Wolsey's gone with my stats. No, <laughs> straight off the top of the show, Wolsey's gone with it, and I'm sitting there going, "Hang on." <laughs> so then I get introduced, and I just had nothing. So if you've got any good stuff, keep it to yourself. That's, that <laughs> is unforgivable. Yeah, Wolsey. And that's, we went to the ad break, and Wolsey just looked at me and grinned. I thought,
0: I feel like that's not out of character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: No. Not happy with that. Whereas a Bruce McAvaney, he gives you stuff to use. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want to be that sort of teammate. Yeah. It was that. pretty funny in hindsight, but oh, fuck. Yeah, no, not. for me. I man, don't have much good stuff, deal. No, can't you, waste got plenty, it. <laughs> you got plenty. You got plenty
0: good stuff. What about um, on the boundary? Like funniest sort of interaction with? I can imagine there'd be people hanging over the fence all day. Yeah. there's anything like? Is anything stand out that just? shits you or people come up and you say
1: each time there was a guy in there was a guy at Frio once at Subiaco and we were right on the boundary line and there was a lot of Frio supporters on the dugout um sort of listening and we'll like appear to your sign away like they're right there so they could hear what I was talking about so it was half time of a game and they'll cross them down to me and we we're going to be talking about goal kicking and the fact that You know, Frio had missed some big chances. We had some vision of some real easy misses at goal. And um, this guy had watched the whole lead up. He'd watched us looking at the vision in the ad break and what we're (laughs) going to talk about. And we come on live and I start talking about goal kicking and this bloke just starts spraying me about my own goal kicking. Yeah. Right? I wasn't a great kicker (laughs) And he just had some really – some good stuff around my percentages and my numbers and he just kept peppering me while I was trying to deliver it and then I just – I lost it. I just burst into laughter and looked at him and it stuffed up the whole cross. Was it live? Yeah, it was live. Oh, my God. And I just – I had to turn around and just say well played to this guy. It was pretty good. Oh, mate. That's one thing that sticks in my mind. Oh, they're always yelling out, but half the time you've got the earpiece. In. Yeah. You know that they're saying funny you stuff. You just keep going. But you just gotta plow through. Well it's like you were saying before
0: in play so they don't read the newspaper. It's when even when you say, Can you hear what's over the boundary line? Yeah. If you're walking up and you can always hear what people are yeah. saying. Yeah. Even though you try and pretend that yeah. you don't. Yeah, you it's can it's always there. Hey, um, mate, you've been so generous with your time. Last thing I want to touch on is your love of music. 'Cause this yeah. is this is super interesting. Yeah. Um heavy metal. You love your yeah. metal? Heavy yeah, I metal do. or metal? Is it I is there a difference? Well
1: You've got different degrees of metal. Like I wouldn't say like death metal where yes. they're just sort of screaming and that yes, really screamo. hard, fast guitars. So probably probably not to that extent, but stuff like – you know, I do like stuff like Metallica. I, yep. I love that early Metallica sort of sound. So plenty of that. But I can pretty much listen to anything. I wouldn't say that I'm just heavy metal. Yeah. Are you no. a vinyl guy? Yeah, I love my vinyl. Yeah, I've yeah, got, got plenty of records. In fact, I've got um, a new record player recently – And I had to go get a new amp for it. And then my mate said, I don't go buy a new amp. I've got a really good old system. And he gave me an old CD player as well. And I've got like about six or 700 CDs there. So during COVID, I was whacking them out. I I could say I could listen to anything, but probably more stuff like Out the Driving, Queens of the Stone Age, love a band called Faith No More. That's probably where the genre I love the most sits, yeah. Yeah, But I can listen to anything. Queens of the Stone Age reminds me of like year nine. Does just it?
0: like iTunes, CD used to have that album on all the time. Um, are you into the Food Fighters as well? Yeah, I love the Food Fighters. Have you seen the Food Fighters Doco? Yes, yeah. One of the best things I've ever seen. Like he, I he, didn't realise how broke up, change over, how many people
1: come in and out of the band. Yeah. He he strikes me, Dave Grohl, as being a guy you'd love to meet. Yeah. You know, he seems like one of the good guys. Um, just on Metallica as well true
0: that you went to a live concert with metallica taking one brett to Lydio. i did and yeah i think your front row maybe just near the um mosh pit yeah and the whole mosh
1: pit turned around and gave the Riccio chant to you it did happen yeah but the lights came on so it was in between the the support band and metallica coming on you know they turned the house lights on and it was at rod laver so it gets pretty bright in there and where we myself and brett were standing there and all the lads in the mosh pit who were my vintage right? yeah yeah <laughs> My vintage sort of 40-year-old dudes with yeah. long hair, <laughs> reliving our youth a little yeah. bit. So yeah, they turned around and, and gave me a bit of a chant. I was pretty happy. You with know,
0: it. you're a big dog, especially in Melbourne and then in the metal industry when that's happening yeah. at, a, at a concert. No, it
1: felt pretty good. And then the yeah. concert started. We had a good night. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Getting over to the US, seeing anyone like who's sort of on the hit list? Have you got any trips planned? Like, what's happening?
1: Yeah, I haven't been. I went to the States at the start of the year. Where do you go in the States? I've got a mate who has caddied on the PGA Tour over there for a long oh, wow. time. Yeah, he's done a, He caddied for Cam Smith actually yeah. recently, did a is few. Is he going to the Open? Uh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to the Open this year. But yeah, he, he's a good mate of mine from Melbourne, um, Matthew Tritton, a great mate of mine. And he's, he's married to an American. So he lives in a place called Cardiff, which is. In San Diego County, right yeah. on the Pacific Ocean. So i get over there pretty much every year and, and stay with him and his family and just get away. It's a great yeah. part of the world. Um, is that a live
0: music sort of hub? Like, is there- Not
1: really. No, if you want to get into the music, you'd probably head to – well, obviously Nashville. Nashville yeah. That is an amazing place. You don't have to – it's not just for country music either. It's got mm-hmm. all types of music uh, there. And Austin in Texas, yeah. if you want to get into some good music, head there. Um, yeah, so – and you go there and you just find bands that you love. You never even heard of them, but there's so many different live places there every night. Yeah, honey, I'm going over to the states at the end of the year, and um,
0: Nashville's on our on our hit yeah. list, so yeah, I'll be hitting it up. Um, what's next for for Richo? What do you want to yeah. achieve? Like, what's what's on to be a work? Good dad now, but yeah. three, three daughters. So
1: life's changed a bit. Yeah, I haven't in, got as much. How time. recent
0: is your latest? one? I've
1: got a three week old wow. little uh, little Ella. I've got a two year old next week in little Riley and Zoe's five in September. So. Keep me, keep me busy.
0: Yeah, what's changed like the most around being a father?
1: Well, I just I've got to worry about other people now. Yeah, you, know, you get mate. That's one thing. I was really probably selfish as a footballer. I think you got to be at times. You do as an as a professional yeah. athlete. I sure. couldn't have I couldn't have had a family when I played footy. I was too worried about you know my game and what I was doing. But um, so I timed it well. Didn't meet my wife until I retired, and a few months after that, I met her, and you know got three kids now so yeah life's a lot different but you know it's probably more rewarding i would say than, mm. than footy and all of that you know watching these little girls grow up is pretty rewarding yeah i can imagine um
0: mate it's been incredible thank thanks you so too. much for your time you've got an incredible story and, and extremely generous you're, you're a great man i really appreciate it and i think everyone's going to get a lot out of it so thank you no nah, thanks mate thank you been, been fun. fun cheers thanks for listening to another producer podcast if you enjoyed the show, that would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in, IllyXX. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play.